This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jurgens. Hey, I'm Duffy Wynn. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, Season 13, Episode 24, Season Finale for 2021. We have reached the end of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast year, and I'm your host, Ian. And this is Steph. And this is Theo. And um, Steph and I are both deeply infected in the lungs, so if we have uh, any audio issues because of that, I apologize. Hey, mine's not the lungs. It's just the throat. I am keeping it out of the lungs. Well, for me, it's the lungs. Oh. Jeremy, stay away from Louisiana. We have enough. <clears throat> I will stay right where I am, but we got plenty here, too. All right. So, we've got a season finale segment and uh, some news, and then, of course, two reviews. So, let's get to it, starting with our news. We missed two things last time because of the solicitations dropping on Friday, and we recorded on Tuesday. Um, the first was Batman Killing Time, a six-issue miniseries by Tom King and illustrated by David Marquez. Tom King says it's going to be heist action fun, none of this deep emotional diving into Batman's character. What do you think about that? I think it sounds like Tom King is trying to redeem himself to the whiners who don't like what he's done so far. Which, to be fair, he seems to, I don't know. He seems to always be altering what he does to accommodate the whiners, and I think it's getting worse. So I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, I, I kind of don't take Tom King for his word uh, anymore, and that goes back to Batman Fifty. You know, again, I know part of it wasn't his fault per se, but still, he has a pattern now, and I just meh. I'm liking Batcat. I'm like the only person left, apparently, who does. But I think that this miniseries, I like all the deep emotional diving. And so this kind of doesn't appeal to me. Um, know, right. But I do, I do love David Marquez's art, especially for Batman. I think he did a wonderful job on uh, Detective Comics 1027. And he's done great stuff um, over at Marvel and um, in Batman Superman. So I think this could be really beautiful at the very least. But I'm not super excited because, as I said, I, I like the deep emotional stuff. So uh, We also have Beyond the White Knight by Sean Gordon Murphy. Um, <laughs> he's changed his colorist from Matt Hollingsworth to uh, Dave Stewart, who colored uh, Batwoman Elegy for J.H. Williams III. And this is set 10 years in the future. There's going to be exploration of Harley's twins, uh, who are growing up mirroring their parents. And Terry, of course, is going to show up as Batman Beyond, and Bruce is going to break out of jail 
uh, to stop him, apparently. But we all know that he can't really stop Batman. So mm-hmm. what do we think about the third part of the Dark, uh, the White Knight trilogy? Well, at first I was really against it because I was not interested in introducing Neo-Gotham to the White Knight universe. But this doesn't seem that far in the future. So the Batman Beyond in this is not the Neo-Batman, which is fine with me. But, like, the White Knight universe... Is supposed to be about the Joker, so I wonder if either he's going to be incorporated somehow, or they're going to just get farther and farther away from the event that started the universe. But it's just more of a curiosity thing than a disappointment. I'm okay with it. My two concerns, one, just as Steph mentioned, it's getting farther and farther away from uh, the White Knight, which, you know, who is who's supposed to be you know, Jack. And, you know, the Holly series, the Holly miniseries was fine because, you know, she was really involved in the construction of that universe. But in looking at the three volumes up to now, it started trailing off. And so I am hoping that this next volume in in the universe um, stops that trend because uh, again, Holly was okay. It just it wasn't great compared to parts one and two. I actually prefer Harley, but that's because I am weird and like those more emotional looks into the characters um, over the bombastic action. Um, I've never had a connection to uh, Terry or Batman Beyond, so this isn't conceptually super interesting, but I do think that the art will definitely make it worth checking out at the very least. And uh, exploring the Joker through the twins, I think, is going to be a really interesting thing, because as, as Theo and Steph said, the Joker and Harley and Bruce's relationship are the most interesting thing that Sean Murphy has put in to this um, thing. And all his... All his developments of like Barbara and, and Dick and Jason have been kind of tangential. Though those three characters, the Joker, Harley, and Bruce, are at the heart of this universe, and it's an interesting look at them. So I, I'm kind of interested. Oh, and I also forgot to mention there's going to be a two-part spin-off about Jason Todd. Oh yeah, I forget what he's been up to in this <laughs> in this universe. He, like, joined the army after the Joker kidnapped him. Oh, that's right. That's right. He became a Doesn't guard he... at the prison. Oh, I thought he ran it. But Maybe he, he might is right. the he's doing... warden. I don't know. He's something prison-related. He's something prison-related. Two more things. Uh, both of them are more tangential to comics. The first is uh, we've got a Gotham Knights uh, TV show in development. I don't think it's ordered on the CW. A lot of people from the Batwoman show are working on it, but it's not actually part of the Batwoman universe or the Arrowverse. So what do we think about that? I'm glad it's not part of the Arrowverse. Or at least apparently not, because I have not watched any of the Arrowverse, so I would have no idea what's going on. Um, and I'm super sad, because the premise of it is that Batman is dead, right? And that the... The Batlings are being accused of his murder and they have to prove their innocence, but they don't tell you what Batlings are there. So I'm excited to see what characters we'll have. And I don't know. 
It'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. It, it's something that I think could very easily be absolutely horrible. I'm thinking about Birds of Prey. But it has potential. Wait, Birds of Prey, the movie or the show? The, sh- the a- show, the yeah, show. That was horrible. Well, I mean, not that the movie was that much better, but it wasn't the show. Yeah. Theo, what do you think about Gotham Knights? I will. I will say first of all, I will say that rewatching Birds of Prey, the TV show, when it first when it first released on DC Universe, uh, in my grown more adult-oriented self, um, it was still bad, just not as bad when it first came out decades ago. Um, But uh, with regards to Gotham Knights, I don't know. And I'm only saying that because I am not a fan of Batwoman. I saw the pilot. I saw part of another episode and it's just not for me i don't and and if just the same team that's doing that uh yeah consider me out so that's gonna be a a no for me i i have to admit being on the cw doesn't bode well for me there's only one show from the arrowverse that i like and that's um superman and lois and that's the show that most people agree feels least like the arrowverse I do like the fact that one of the people who's moving from Batwoman to Gotham Knights is the woman who co-wrote the Stephanie Brown episode of Batwoman. I um, actually really like that episode. I recorded a commentary on it for my YouTube channel, and I pointed out a lot of the stuff that I liked about the way it treated Steph and the way it meshed with the history of Batman on film. Um but I also watched the finale of season two and another episode. Um, and I think in general, it's it's just not a show that digs deeply into things I think it should dig into. Um, and I know that's a choice. I know they're doing it on purpose, but I think that it's frustrating to me. So I am concerned about what this will focus on, this new Gotham Knights. I also don't really know why this is going to be like a third show that tries to do Batman without Batman. So Arrow tried to do Batman with Green Arrow as Batman, and then Batwoman tries to do Batman with Batwoman as Batman, and now Gotham Knights is trying to do Gotham without Batman. And then you had, over on Fox, you had Gotham. And yes, Bruce Wayne was on it, but he's not Batman for the whole show. There's just something dumb about the fact that they can't seem to get a Batman on TV. And I know it's because they want to save him for the movies, but come on. Well, you just gotta convince the overlords that Warner Brothers to change their mind. Maybe, maybe if they allow Discover to take that conglomerate deal that they're doing with AT and T, we'll we'll be able to get Batman on TV. But you know that's that's been that unwritten rule, unwritten written rule for I guess since Batman sixty six. I guess. You know, where you yeah, know, we haven't had a know, Batman show since then. Batman can't be on TV, but we've had I a mean, bunch of Superman it, shows since then, except that one. I mean, how long did they have what's his name? Um, in a bat suit at the end of Gotham, it was like what, like a less than a minute? <laughs> oh, it was, I think, yeah, it was way less than that. It was maybe it, if it was 10 seconds, that was 10 seconds, you know, that was a lot, but you know, I, I it. 
Yeah, I'm, I have no interest in it. And listening to Ian talk about it, I'm even less interested now. Um, and see, I'm probably the person that don't even consider Superman and Lois to be a part of the Arrowverse anymore. I think they've I think they've retconned enough uh, with Infinite, you know, with the crossover to where it, it just doesn't seem like it just doesn't seem like a uh, Arrowverse show anymore. They they mention Flash, you know, but you don't see him. Um, there was that one episode where Diggle made an appearance, and I think that's more of trying to set him up as John Stewart than anything else. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, I have no interest, and and I'm hoping and praying that Warner Brothers uh, is keeping a strong enough hand on CW to say. You know, do not screw up Superman and Lois. Could we see how they messed up Supergirl? Season one was great, and then it completely went downhill once it made its way to the CW. Uh, season one of Black Lightning was absolutely wonderful, but season one, most of the shows that were filmed for season one were made for Fox, so it was a little bit darker. And then as it got more entrenched on the CW, we saw how that went so yeah I'm yep. I'm, I'm with you there and praying that season 2 of Superman and Lois will not degrade well we will see early next year yep it's coming alright uh, and the last thing is we had a new Batman trailer for the movie and it was called The Bat and the Cat it really heavily focused on Robert Pattinson's Bruce and uh, Zoe Kravitz's Selina what did we think of that so I had already decided not to watch this movie because they were really focusing on like the creepy and the evil and Riddler was jokerized like I was not excited but this trailer made me excited for this movie. I thought it would. <laughs> yes. Like it it the, the movie seems like it's going to at least according to this trailer, and trailers can lie, but the trailer really made it seem like Bruce is going to be a character in this movie. And that made me excited. And it does seem like it's going to be, there's going to be some Selena, Bruce, and Bat, Cat stuff. So that's, that. I don't know. That's a little exciting. Um, one thing that did kind of turn me off is I think there was a scene with Alfred where it, it sounded like maybe Thomas Wayne is going to have some dark history again. So that's a wait and see, but that was a little disappointing. I don't know. Maybe it was because I was looking at it on my phone instead of, you know, a TV or, or a larger computer monitor. But for some reason, it just I got I got Zack Snyder vibes for how dark it seemed in some of the scenes. And again, some of the scenes are definitely dark just because they're in the dark alley and the lights are off. But it's just, the you just seemed a little too dull, and you know, unless there was an explosion going on or something of that nature, um, I'm still going to see the movie. I'm still going to see the movie. Uh, I'm interested to see what they make of the Bruce Selena relationship, uh, and I am always going to give 
Matt Reeves the benefit of the doubt simply because of his past history with creating some great movies. Uh, but I am still withholding judgment. I definitely enjoyed this second trailer more than I enjoyed the first. Uh, but I am still withholding judgment. Yeah, I enjoyed the trailer. I enjoyed the last trailer. Um, I kind of am like, this is not going to be my Batman, but I'm open to it being a good movie, you know? So I'm excited, and <laughs> I keep saying this on the Discord. I'm really hoping that they uh, they release the Batman Oreos, because they released those in, like, England and Brazil, but they haven't released them here in the U.S. yet. What is a Batman Oreo? Oreos with Robert Pattinson's face and a bat mask on it. I, what? Do, I do not want that. Um, like so. literally Oreos? Yeah, what? Oreos. It's a promotional branding Oh my so instead, of the, instead of the Oreo imprinted, it's going to be his face. <laughs> no. We don't need Robert Pattinson's face on our Oreos. No. We, 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 can you imagine the Twilight jokes? <laughs> even, even, even now, you know, after watching several of his films outside of the Twilight universe, you know, there's no way he can ever fully escape that. You know, yep. no, matter, no matter how great this film turns out to be, That's okay. it does help that he hates Twilight. But I didn't hate Twilight money. Yeah, I mean, would I you would... hate Twilight money? That was I a know, lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> so, as I was prepping for this episode, because it's the last episode of the year, I want to do something a little extra. It occurred to me that I had predicted some stuff, and so had Steph and Dustin two years ago. And Dustin very kindly found me the episode, so I thought I'd do a little flashback of where we each did predictions, or hopes. It wasn't really predictions, it was hopes of what we would happen. And here is what we came up with, um, as sort of a, a look back at TBU from two years ago and where we are now. Just It just doesn't feel necessary to have these miniseries. Like, why not just do something where it's like, if it is a miniseries, have it more of an impactful story or... I am curious to know if Dustin would be happy with the fact that we have so many miniseries, especially with Black Label, but I don't know if he would say they matter, because Dustin's perspective is usually that mattering means they're in continuity. So Black Label is almost always out of continuity with very different takes on Batman. They can be really good stories, but they don't matter going forward. Nothing's going to reference them, except... I think he might like the fact that we've got the White Knight universe because those do matter to their ongoing universe. So that's maybe a partially fulfilled hope. Well, and they may not matter, but I think that a lot of the minis have been good. I think so. Or at least, you know, enjoyable. I want Red Robin on the team. I want Oracle on the team. I want Cassandra on the team. Steph on the team. And maybe Huntress makes sense. Uh, Dustin also pitched Birds of Prey. Um, This one's definitely not happening, but we do have all of them promised to be used. Huntress and Tim Drake don't really have an ongoing, though. And I think that's unfortunately because the the Birds of Prey movie damaged the brand of Birds of Prey. I think it'd be cool if they had a series called, like, Batman Rose Gallery, where (laughs) you have, like, a continuous change of creators, where it was just, like, standalone three-issue story arcs. Uh, We've got... Urban Legends, Legends of the Dark Knight, Truth and Justice, the Holiday Anthologies, and the Gotham Villains Anniversary Giant. So that sort of already happened. 
but I do want the direction to go in the fact that she becomes Oracle again. I kind of do like the idea of her being the mentor for a team. Uh, last, Dustin said he wants Barbara to become Oracle again. Uh, that's pretty much also happened. Um, I never would have cut Super Sons. John can exist and not exist at the same time. That's not really happening, but we do at all. have. But we've got um, Challenge of the Super Sons, Deceased, and Superman and Robin. And if Superman and Robin does well, I'm pretty sure someone will probably make that into a mini or an ongoing. Detective actually is a Bat Family book. I think it should have a focus on Batman teaming up with other members of the Bat Family. Uh, and it can rotate. It doesn't have to be like a team like uh, James Tynan made it. And it should also have a backup. And I would say that's basically happening with Shadows of the Bat. Uh, Shadows of the Bat. We've got... Huntress, Batwoman, uh, Steph and Cass, Tim Drake is promised, um, Barbara Gordon. All of them are coming together in this weekly series for 12 weeks. And I think that's kind of exactly what I was hoping for. Um, plus, we have backups uh, in the Bat family for a year. I'm replacing Nightwing and Red Hood with a book called Robin Legends. Uh, this has not quite happened, but we do have two Robin books a month for six months with Robin and Robins. The Robins miniseries is focusing on the history of all the Robins. Plus, you have Urban Legends, so that even steals half of my naming title idea. And Red Hood is canceled, right? Red Hood is indeed canceled. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's in... Uh, uh, Test for Z is basically the Red Hood title. Uh... And it's good. People should try it. Then I'd have Place Batgirl with League of Batgirls, uh, <laughs> Babs, Mentors, Steph, and Cass. And I basically got that. Now, whether or not it'll be good long term is to be determined. I am hopeful. Theo is not. But we do have one, finally, after a year. Batman Beyond I'd replace with Batman Tomorrow. And this would actually be an alternate universe because uh, you'd have different arcs about different Robins taking the place of Batman. Um, this actually sort of happened in that we have like a billion future Batman stories right now. We've got Catwoman, Lonely City, Batman, Catwoman, Future State Gotham, and the Urban Legends issue where we had four different stories about future Batman. And I think they're actually going to be doing a Batman Beyond miniseries next year, too. So this one was over-fulfilled. And then you replace Catwoman with Batman, Catwoman. It would be a romantic adventure book about Batman and Catwoman. Eight months before it was announced, I pitched Batman Catwoman, though I did not think that it would go the way it has. I didn't think it would be three timelines and after Batman had died in one of them. But I did pitch Batman Catwoman, and I got so much hate for that. Everyone's like, how dare you cancel Catwoman? And I will say that this was not during Ram V's run, so I wasn't canceling Ram V's Catwoman. <laughs> You'd replace Harley Quinn with Harley's Sirens, which would star Harley, but would also have other villainesses like Ivy and Selina and the Carpenter. And even though it hasn't quite been that, I would say that Harley Quinn has done a lot of Gotham City Sirens team-ups in the last couple months. Batman Worldwide, which is similar to Batman Inc., where Batman travels the globe and teams up with other heroes. And we're getting Josh Williamson taking Batman throughout the world with Batman Incorporated. So that's very interesting. Batman before year one, but I think that'd be really cool to have a Bruce Wayne training miniseries. And we're getting Batman The Night, which is basically Chip Zdarsky doing Batman Begins as a miniseries. Um, so that is my predictions, and I, by my count, I got eight things that are happening now that I predicted two years ago. 
So I think that's pretty cool. And I think Steph and Dustin both have things that are somewhat in the direction, even if they're not quite as uh, directly fulfilled. And so what are our hopes and dreams for where Batman will be, the Batman universe in comics will be in the next couple of years? So I've got three, but one of them is a double one. So my pragmatic, oh my gosh, I'm dead. My pragmatic prediction is that DC is done with continuity Batcat outside of the normal flirting they've been doing for the last 80 years. My contradictory fool's hope is that Batman marries Catwoman and they have babies and they're happy and they don't kill people and they don't flirt with Joker. All references to the Batcat book by Tom King, which I am enjoying. It's just, yeah, definitely not what I was expecting. My reasonable hope, as in I hope it will happen and there's reason to think it might, is that with Batman out of town and John grown up and gone, I think Damien and Selina should pair up and become the new dynamic duo, um, except there's much more sass involved than regular Batman and... um. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a series, just maybe even a single issue, but just Damien and Catwoman pairing up would make me so happy in a main book and not some random Urban Legends. No, no, it was uh it wasn't even Urban Legends. It was uh Oh, the prelude to the wedding. No, no, oh that too. No, no, there was a what was a showcase. There was a showcase issue where Batman or Catwoman and Damien paired up. Um Really? And oh, then my yeah, reason I remember. Yeah, it was it was okay. They saved they saved cats. And then my reasonable prediction as in it's a low bar. With the current trend of highlighted uh, members of the Bat family, like we have the the show coming out without Batman and with Wayne family adventures coming out and now with uh with the uh, Shadow of the Bat, Shadows of the Bat or whatever. I think we're going to see more uh young adult graphic novels about the other characters. So like Steph or Cass and Helena, Batwoman, Tim. I think we might start seeing more of them in the extra available content. Those would be really cool. We do have the Shadow of the Bat for, uh, Shadow of the Bat Girl for Cass. Uh, I'd love a sequel to that. All right, Theo, what are your predictions and hopes? Uh, I'm going to just give my one hope. And that is that DC pulls a Bendis and if Mariko Tamaki both Batman and Detective and let her take over that universe. Um, much like JT did, even though he was only writing uh, Batman, he had all those other books that he was doing and that were pretty much spinoffs. And, you know, they seem to have had a Batman room again where they were, you know, knocking ideas across each other. But yeah, I want Rico, since I can't get Brandon Thomas on Batman, just give me uh, Rico Tamaki on both Batman and, and Tech, and I'll be a happy camper. If he can continue making my money, taking my money. I could see it. I could see it. I would not mind. Would that make the first female writer on Batman if they did that? I think we've had female writers for like one shots or backups, but she'd be the she first, would be the first regular. Yeah, she'd be the first regular. Although she's also the first regular writer of tech, right? Female writer? Yeah. Well, I can't think of anyone who is a regular. I remember there was at least an arc that What's-Her-Name did. Devin Grayson? Yes. 
She did at least an arc. Did she? On Didn't she? I thought she just did... Was it Legends of the Dark Knight? She had a series that was Batman, but it wasn't one of the main two. It was a series created for her. Oh, it was Gotham Knights. Batman Gotham Knights. That's what it was she Gotham. And she oh, wrote that for a long time. So technically, she's the first She's the first Batman regular. Right, but not on Batman or not, not, but not on the main, not on the main book. Right. I hope that Batgirls lasts for at least two years. We gotta have at least as long as Steph's run. This isn't really a hope, but I think it feels inevitable. I think Tom Taylor's gonna get Batman. That would be a hope for for Steph and Theo. Not necessarily. I not, feel like he can be a little preachy. Did you did you not just hear what I said? My one hope. <laughs> what if it were a Tom Taylor, Mariko Tamaki team up? No, no, the no. styles are too different. That's true. Uh, they are really different. Yeah, that would not work. Um, and, and I, I just realized this speaking speaking about Mariko Tamaki. So I have I have three of she has written two of the three of my favorite comic characters ever. So she. She's written She-Hulk, which is my second favorite comic character. She's written Batman, which is my favorite. So she's only missing three. I need her to, before she signs an exclusive to do Batman and Detective, she needs to do a mini for Moon Knight and then sign that exclusive. And then I will call it today. And I actually enjoyed her run on She-Hulk. Well, that's good. Okay, anyway. I hope... That Urban Legends goes all digital because I am tired of the price point of $10 for that book. I don't think it's worth it. And I also really hope that DC starts at least two more webtoons, one for Superman and one for Wonder Woman. What about a webtoons for Super Sons? Would you be happy with that? Oh, heck yeah, I would. I'm torn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm torn. And if, if, if you... You are a fan of Tomasi's Super Super Sons. You would understand why anything that they attempt to do with Super Sons outside of the Agent John and putting those two back together is just failed lip service and failed <clears throat> fan service. There was that um, was a young adult. There was that non-continuity Super Sons that I gave five minutes of my life to, and then I stopped. Damien's name is different in that book. Yeah, it's Ian, about. and it's terrible, because that's my it's, name, yeah. and it doesn't... He, he yeah, has I, his own name. They actually did a second one, didn't they? They did three. Yeah, we got a few, yeah. I didn't touch them with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. So it can be wrong, but... One, and I was like, this is not Damien <laughs> at all. But the Damien in the web in the in the webtoon is actually very well written. Yeah, I would agree. And I would I would like to see him in He's in that Super Sons book. I mean, he, he, and and he is he is as cl- he is as close to again continuity canon Damien. But mm-hmm. for kids, you know, you won't see yeah. him talk killing people, but. It, it it it's pretty it's not close. that hard edge. Yeah, no, he's still I, rude. <laughs> did y'all see the? Did y'all read the last issue? I did not. The one behind the <laughs> wall or the the most recent one? Because huh? I actually no. got all the, the one with Talia. <laughs> no, Talia showed up. 
Itchy. No, I've been busy with family. I haven't had time. Yeah, it's been really good. If you get famous for a few minutes, definitely read it. Oh, I'm pulling it up right now. Oh, I've missed the last two. Oh, what's wrong with me? Okay, Christmas has like... ruined my life. <laughs> that's quite the prediction. I mean, uh, the declaration. For sure. Okay, so that brings the end to our flashback segment. And now let's get to our reviews. Our first one is Robin number nine. <laughs> Written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Roger Cruz. On Lazarus Island, Mother Soul, Damien's great grandmother, mother of Ra's al Ghul, having revealed her true plan for the League of Lazarus tournament to raise a demon to possess the greatest fighter so the League can set fire to the entire world, Damien rejects Mother Soul's plan, punching the demon in the face. But as demonic flesh burns his fist and Ravager tells him there's no way off the island. The demon beats Damien viciously, and the young Robin tells the ghost of Alfred that he's failed, apologizing. But his surrogate grandfather reminds him what Batman's first action was, to ring the bell and call for help. Robin rises, painting a mask on his face and an R on his chest with blood, and calls to his fellow fighters, telling them they can defeat this world-ending threat together, bringing joy to Ravager. The fighters band together under Robin's expert leadership and manage to defeat Mother Soul's forces and rip the demon's head off with Respawn's chain. Though the heroes and antiheroes regroup after their victory, Mother Soul flies into a rage and vows to teach Damien a lesson, surrounding him with green fire, after which he finds himself in a desert, meeting a young Ra's al Ghul, traveling with his wife Sora and Mother Soul. So, what do you think about Mother Soul's plan and Damien's revelations about himself and Batman in this issue? Well, the evil plot was kind of straightforward and not very interesting, but that's not why we're reading this book, so I'm fine with that. Um, the, oh, the just, the, I guess it's basically a farewell, like, Damien's last moments with Alfred, because you kind of get the idea that Alfred's gone now, he's... He's no more with with Damien, and that was just so sweet. And they they took their time with like that, like that's something that Ian read in a couple sentences. That's a good, I don't know, quarter of the book is is Alfred talking to Damien. It was very sweet, and it was a wonderful exploration of how much you know Damien is like Bruce. And there was a lot of uh, Batman Year One references, and it was very wonderful and lovely and beautiful. I don't know. I just really liked it. I loved Damien's finally fully embraced the Robin mantle, even if it was kind of (laughs) gross, putting his mask and R back on with blood. But I loved the whole, the whole self-realization thing. I thought that was all very beautiful. I was mentioning earlier that, you know, as much as I want Alfred back in continuity, that if he was hanging around much like he did in uh, this first arc with Damien. I would be a-okay with that. Obi-Wan style. Yeah, we've kind of seen that a few times in some of the other issues, you know, especially in... uh, Batman 98. Yeah, where, you know, he he brings Bruce back. You know, so if, 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 if we can't have 
Alfred, Alfred, uh, in real life, comic wise, uh, having him in this mode would be definitely okay with me. Um, and, and I'm definitely okay with that. Yeah, I think that I agree with Stefan and Theo here. I think Mother Soul's plan is pretty, it's basically just Raz's plan, only maybe more violent, maybe. But I do, um, I mean, Year One is my favorite comic ever, period, of all kinds of comics, like Batman or not. I think it is a masterpiece. And it's so well woven into this book. Like, it, it shows that Damien has learned from Bruce, and it shows that he remembers the bell. And that calls me back to one of my favorite Damien stories, Robin Sum of Batman, where he, his brothers come together to save him, the end of the first arc. And here you have him leading of his own will, and he's learned from being a Teen Titan, well, leading the Teen Titans, and he's learned from um, his struggles with Deathstroke. Um, he's learned how to work with people and how to evaluate people's skills and put them to best use. Um so I thought that was just really well done. Good integration of famous things in a way that doesn't feel cheap or or easy. Um, and I think the message that Damien shouldn't be alone, Damien shouldn't be um, solo, and that Batman is not solo either, I think those are, are things that more people need to remember. Batman is a character with a family who's trying to rebuild a family that he lost. And I think that's just thematically so important to Batman. Well, I, I think two things. One, with, with what you just said, I, I took that, and again, this is this is a hope, uh, if we can add that to the list, that, you know, that this idea that, you know, Robin doesn't have to be alone, Batman's not alone, is that we hopefully will get another Batman and Robin again. You know, I know a lot of people have asked for that. Um, but I think also what Damien realized with regards to learning from his father and what you were mentioning in that piece, but I think he's finally accepted and understands he's not the cause of Alfred death, you know, cause that was the biggest weight on his heart, you know, ever since Cynthia Bane and as he, left the Titans and everything and how we got to this point. So now we see he's gone into this realization. I think he's finally um, forgiven himself, you know, to understand you're not at fault. You know, Bruce told him, Hey, you're not at fault. And that wasn't enough. But I think he now realizes that he really wasn't at fault for what happened. And that was, again, a touching moment. It was very touching. How does Roger Cruz fill in for Gleb Melnikov as artist? And apparently he's going to be sort of an ongoing. They might be rotating or he might just be the, the new artist. How do you think he fills those shoes? I think I like the other artist better. But this was definitely similar enough. And it did, it did, it did a very passable job. Like There's nothing I would necessarily point out and complain about. I thought it was similar enough that it flowed well, but uh, I do think I like the other one better. I will be quite honest. Had I not seen the question in the show notes, I would not have even known that it wasn't 
Belenikov doing the art. That's how similar I see the two. So again, it 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 was it was pretty pretty close. I like I said, I didn't even realize it wasn't uh, Gleb until I saw the question pop up in the show notes. Well, this is a really good point because uh, Gleb, there's been two fill-in artists so far, and both of them have worked really hard to stay on model with Gleb's uh, designs for Robin, the way he draws Damien's face, which is really distinctive with the strong brows and the, the big eyes. And so I think it's good that we have this template, and I think Roger Cruz did a really good job, so I don't have a problem with that. I, I do think Gleb has more flair, um, as Steph says, but um, I I am disappointed because I do like keeping an art team, but if we have to have a new artist, uh, Roger Cruz seems like a good a good new artist. Where would you like to see the story of Robin go from here? What do you want Damien to accomplish? And do you think he'll ever get back to Gotham? And should he? Yeah. The problem with time travel stories is that there's always a problem with time travel stories. So you, I wonder if this is really more of a dream. I don't know. Because if you change the past, especially your own past, you might not be born unless you were always meant to be there, in which case you're not going to change anything. No, you know, you have to take the Marvel model. What's the, the Marvel model? Beca- the mo- in the Marvel model, the past becomes your present and your present becomes your past. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, what do I hope happens? Yeah, I hope it, yeah. the book stays good. That's all I care about. Again, if, That's a very if Tamaki attitude. wants to tell a zombie story, I'll I'll listen to Tamaki tell a zombie story. So if this is going to be a good story, I'll listen to it. I don't care what it's about. It'd be nice if we continue to get some character development or at least some character exploration. So maybe it'll focus more on, on Roz and how he became who he became, maybe. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a young guru Roz and then I don't have to feel quite so icky about liking Grandpa Roz. I don't know. We'll find you out. like Grandpa Roz? I already like Grandpa Roz. I said you will always like Grandpa Roz. I will always like Grandpa Roz. That's true. Uh, I'm going to answer the last question first because it's the easiest for me. Only because I am bad enough to read solicits when they come out. It's to know that at some point Damien is going to be back in Gotham. Um, but where do I want him to go next? I want him to get out of this whole past thing. Hopefully it is a dream like Steph mentioned. And I need for him to go and find uh, Maya so that they can uh, patch things up and be buddy-buddy again. Uh, that's what I would like to see Damien go, at least with this series. Dang it, uh, he stole my before, thing. <laughs> before before return to Gotham. I want him to patch things up and be buddies with Maya again so bad. I loved that Robin sort of Batman series so much. Yeah, I also, I mean... I like a lot of these new characters. I like the way Williamson's writing Rose. I like Flatline. And I'm okay with Damien Flatline shipping. So, um, I don't know. It take, feels like... Take, um, take that back. What? Take it back. Take no, it back. I won't. I ship them. Take, take it. Take it back. Um, the long- stop shipping the children. He's like 13. <laughs> it's fine. He's 14. I think he's still 13. I think DC is uh, keeping him 13 like they kept Tim 16. No, he definitely had a 14th birthday. Oh, no, yeah. you're right. You proved that you were right. He is 14. Yeah. He, cause, cause, and See, then, that's even better. 
Stop well, shipping you know, the children. Well, you see, they're the and, same and, age. It's not inappropriate. Well, you, and you know that 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 whole Damien's fourteen now was was DC's way of saying. Well, technically, he and John are the same. Have the same age difference in in reverse. Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought of that. You're right. Remember in Titans, in Teen Titans, Damien was thirteen. John was what ten? Ten. Yeah. And so now they say, oh, we just reversed the roles. Oh, shut up. <laughs> okay. Um, I think uh, he will go back to Gotham. I'm curious. I feel like he's more of a visitor in Gotham. I don't think that Gotham is Damien's home at this point, because he doesn't spend much time there. He's definitely dropped out of Gotham Academy. <laughs> well, yes, but he was only enrolled there to, to find the diary. Do you think ripping off the demon's head is a bit too literal? <laughs> I'm fine with that. I enjoyed it. It's good teamwork together. I I'm fine with that alliteration. <clears throat> if you're gonna be blah 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 demon's head and then your demon's head get ripped off, that's I think you set yourself up for failure when you call your stupid organization that. I liked it. It was very satisfying. It was very violent. His green blood was, was very appropriate. Yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't pay too much to it. It was what it was for me. I just thought it was kind of hilariously literal. All right, so out of five Lazarus tournament demons, what do you rate Robin number nine? I keep thinking you're having like these viscerally emotional responses to this comic, and I realize, oh, you're just trying not to let your lungs escape. That's right. I got to staple uh, them back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. I thought it was almost a satisfying ending. Obviously, you never find out what really happens because Damien got teleported away. Ugh, I don't know. Four out of five. I just love this book. I will give it three and a half. I'm giving it four. I also love it. So that gives us an average score of 3.83 with a mode of four. And I'm very happy we have a mode again. You're so funny. Whether you are a first-time TBU Comics podcast listener, a 13-year veteran, or anything in between, we'd love to hear what you think about this episode or any of the comics we discussed. Send emails to tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. Join our Discord server linked at thebatmanuniverse.net. Send us a tweet at tbu underscore comics. Or, if you're a patron, leave us a comment on our Patreon page. We'd also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. We'd love to read your comments on the next episode of the Batman Universe Comics Podcast. Batman may claim he works alone, but we know that he needs the Bat Family. Join the TVU Bat Family and let us know what you think. Comics number 1046, story number one, Out and Gone, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Dan Moore. A silent alarm is tripped at the Prestige, a complex in downtown Gotham that is home to mostly members of the mob. Oracle picks up on the silent alarm and Batgirl signals she's going in. Standing amongst the dead and dying bodies is Anna Volshin who takes pride in her work. As she heads to the basement garage, a bomb goes off on the upper floor, sending rubble towards the pedestrians on the street below. Fortunately, 
Batman is there to rescue them, shielding them from the disaster. In the garage, Anna Volshin continues her route of terror as she stabs a valet. As she gets in the car to leave, she's confronted by Batgirl. Death attempts to take out the vehicle that Anna is in, but is distracted by another bomb going off in the garage. Volshin's car heads towards a pedestrian, but Batman is there to make the save. And then he uses his grapple gun to take out the speeding vehicle, flipping it onto the street. The chaos is finally over. Back at HQ, Batwoman and Barbara are discussing the, the earlier events and how it was possible that Anna Volshin was on the streets. Babs relays that while the murderer is currently in Blackgate, she'll be heading to the new Arkham facility once it is open. Elsewhere in the garage, Steph and Helena are having their own conversation about the recent events when Steph reveals that Batman is about to leave Gotham as a result of the events with the Magistrate and the Scarecrow as seen in Fair State. Suddenly, Helena is distracted by a vision of someone being attacked. She takes off to help, with Steph following her. At Gotham City Hall, Dr. Chase Meridian has arrived to meet with Mayor Nakano. He wants her to work for him as his eyes and ears on the new Arkham project. He doesn't want the mistakes he's made with the magistrate to occur again. While the new project will have its own management team, she will be responsible for assessing that management team and determining if the trial project will move forward or not. Meanwhile, at a frigid Gotham Park, Batwoman is meeting with Deb Donovan about the Arkham project and the two main players behind it, Tobias Webb and the mysterious Dr. Ocean. At a nearby construction site, Helena thanks Steph for assisting her with helping the woman being attacked. They talk more about Batman leaving Gotham, but it's obvious something else is on Helena's mind. She leaves her partner sitting on a scaffold. On a rooftop near the new Arkham Tower, Batman meets with Chase Meridian. After implicitly acknowledging his part in her being hired by Nakano, Batman reveals the true nature of wanting the psychiatrist involved. He's leaving Gotham to get his head straight. He needs for her to be his eyes and ears while he's gone. He promises she won't be alone as members of the Bat family will be around whether she sees them or not. The new Arkham project is a huge gamble, but it could also be a fresh start for those who need it. If not, Gotham could be in some serious trouble. So, what do you think the the purpose of this story is for you? It's marketed as a fear state aftermath, but I feel like it's slightly different. Well, it is. It's got some fear state elements. Like, it's got... <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Batman is leaving to think about things, even though he's also leaving for Batman Inc. I think that it's incorporating the holdovers of Fear State into the new thing, into the new status quo, which I think is cool because we don't get that very often. Like, usually it's the last thing ended and now everyone's happy again. It's like, no, no, no. Like, Fear State is going to have a lasting effect on Gotham. And here's how it is so even though it's a bit of like an epilogue ish it's also 
establishing how the previous arc is going to change things going forward. And I like that. Well, it's obvious uh, Ian has read my review because he had the same thought that I listed. You know, it, it, yeah, the, the cover listed it as a aftermath to Fear State, but it really was more like a setup for Shadows more than anything. And, you know, yes, as Steph mentioned, there were bits and pieces of Fear State uh, sprinkled throughout it, but there was also, you know, the matter with um, Helena, which again was not a part of Fear State. It was kind of like that prelude leading up to it with the neighborhood arc. Uh, but this was definitely more of a setup to what we're going to be dealing with in Shadows than it was an aftermath to Fear State. I view this as very much a transition because it does have those elements from uh, you know, Fear State with Nakano and stuff. Um, but all of those are all moving from where they were in Fear State to where I think they're setting up for Shadows of the Bat. And I think that's kind of cool that we get sort of a one-shot with a villain that we take down and a lot of character interaction. But instead of um, tying in, it's sort of... It, it's a transition. It's like, here's the end of Fear State, and here's looking forward into Shadows of the Bat. And I, I kind of like that. I like that we sort of have a breather, but it also feels necessary because we're getting this new villain and we're getting where Batman is and where the Bat family is. I'm happy you confirmed that because I could not remember and I searched and dug in the wikis and everything on whether or oh, not... Oh, for Anna? And, yeah, whether <laughs> yeah, or not me she too. Was a, a new villain or not. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, is this... Because she feels like a good addition to Gotham. She feels like the kind of villain you would have. But right. she's and new. I'm, like that's a that's the mark of a good villain is she feels like she fits, but she's new. Yeah. I was like this it, it feels normal for Gotham for Gotham, the pages of, of a Gotham book. But I was like, I don't remember her. Let me see. No, you're Let right. Go and type she's, in she's new. I resent that she has purple hair. Just because you have purple hair doesn't mean you're a villain. But it's a different shade of purple than yours. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> uh, what was your favorite part of this story? Mm. Are you asking that? I know what you're going to say. Yours. Well, of course. <laughs> I know, Everyone knows I know what exactly what you're asking. Mine is kind of odd. So what got Nakano personally invested to even become mayor was his partner dying. And now here's a new sort of storyline and they are once again getting Nakano personally involved in that they're giving his wife what appears to be debilitating depression, which TMI, I've been dealing with a little pre-Christmas and then a couple of years ago. So that's something I'm kind of interested in seeing how they're going to deal with. Um, and so that's probably going to be very relatable to, to Arkham and the help that Arkham's going to provide and his investment into that. And so that's actually, I don't know if I'd say that's my favorite part of the story, but this is, the part of the story I think I'm going to be watching the closest as we go on because that's that's a real life issue that would uh, very much interest interest me. There were lots of good parts, but the one thing that stuck out to me that I am definitely digging and want to see more of is actually this relationship that seems to be 
generating between Batwoman and Deb Donovan. I almost get Bruce Wayne, Jim Gordon vibes from it. You know, they're they're really polar opposites in how they do things, but they seem to be they seem to be building a relationship that again reminds me of what Bruce and Jim have. And I would like to see more of that, whether it's in these pages or if we get a a Batwoman book somewhere down the line where those two feed off of each other. It was it was very good in this issue. And again, I'm reviewing Detective, so I've already read part one of Shadows. And it happens again there. And it's just it's something that I just enjoy and I think I want to see more of it, even in even in the book of his own. So there's another hope in. I thought you were about to say Batman and Chase Meridian just to piss me off. Uh, I would, I would, I, I would never say that. You, you, you <laughs> I, on the other hand, might say that. Oh no, you're not. You're not going to say that. I like Batman <laughs> Forever. <laughs> oh gosh. But no, I would not actually say that as my favorite part in an issue with Stephanie Brown drawn by Dan Mora. Come on, that is my favorite part of this issue, and it's amazing. The action part at the beginning, or the chatting later. Both. The, no, the action part was absolutely awesome, and it's further proof. It's further proof that what we're getting in Batgirls is not in continuity with what we're getting in the rest of the Batman universe. You don't see that to pick of a Steph being drawn in Batgirls doing anything like this. This is a much mature character, and we got a child in, in, in the other book, but I'm going to get off that soapbox. But I agree with Ian with regards to Dan Moore. I'm going to miss him on Detective. Uh, but the only thing he draws better than Steph is Helena Bertinelli. Oh, yes. And you know I love my Helena, and so seeing them together drawn by Dan Mora is, like, amazing. The, he... he, he the, I his new costume for her is probably my favorite. I think it would be perfect if it had the pointy ears. Yeah, I miss the pointy ears. What are you looking now? Steph has sort of already answered this about. Um, I think it's Koyuki uh, Nakano, Mrs. Nakano. Um, but what are you most looking forward to being developed from this story into Shadows of the Bat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well. And again, this is not necessarily my favorite per se, but it's something that really drew me in on like a human level. And I am interested to see. But I think everything you guys have said so far is it like Batman and or Batwoman and Deb Donovan. Like that's kind of been I liked where that was going with Red Hood and they kind of hijacked him and put that in a different book. So I'm interested what Batwoman's going to do. It's interesting. They're kind of pairing Helena and Steph up when Cass is available, but that's a. That's a pairing and a friendship I'd be interested in seeing developed. I don't know if they've done too much together in the past. They you know have what? A I very so, famous team up in the nineties. Do they? Yes. The one thing that kind of drew me in was the first the first scene of them together. They're in the garage, and there's like that bat robot that half either broken or half developed Batman robot. I'm interested to see what that's going to be, or if that's even going to show up again. Like, are they going to pretend Batman is still around? Is that a wink to something that's going to happen? I don't know. I'm interested to see what that's going to be. So what 
and again, I don't want to say too much because, again, I'm reviewing, I'm continuing my reviews of Detective Going Into Shadows. And I don't want to give too much of what I've already read and, and my thoughts of it. But what I'm seeing with what Mariko Tamaki appears to be doing is almost what we should have gotten with Heroes in Crisis, with the exception that it's more involving, you know, the patience of Arkham Asylum. I mean, we're going to see, not spoiling, because we, we, we've seen touches upon it in the most recent books already with regards whether it's whether it was the detective annual where, you know, Dick and Bruce are arguing over the mental health of uh, the inmates of the asylum or, or even in this issue where we're dealing with, uh, you know, mental issues, you know, you can clearly see not just with Nakano's wife, but you can clearly see with Helena that things just aren't right with her. And we're going to get a wonderful story that touches upon a lot of a lot of stuff that people don't always feel comfortable talking about, uh, particularly with regards to mental health and you know this this story might be coming about at the right time uh considering what's going on uh and i'm excited for what's what's going to be happening beginning next week i think i'm most interested in sort of what theo is talking about with huntress specifically because after steph huntress is definitely my favorite purple uh colored vigilante and I really liked what she did with Huntress in the first couple arcs of Detective, especially with that backup where she was doing detective work and seeing her really struggling with the, the fallout of that storyline and seeing her going forward. I think that's where I'm going to be most invested. I want to know what is Helena doing? How is she doing? Is she getting better? Is she kicking butt like a Huntress? And what's your favorite Dan Mora image? Like one image. Ah, oh, you're so horrible. I know. I, I, we, I need clarification. Are you are you saying from this issue from or from just the- this issue? Hold on. Knee jerk reaction. It would be the cover because that cover preview had been out for months, and I have loved it ever since we saw it. Uh, I guess the last one's pretty cool, where his cape is fluttering like crazy in the wind. Classic Kelly uh, Jones cape. Yeah. I'd say it's it's maybe a tie between the last image and the first one. Or the or the cover. I am going to make Ian a happy person and say the page where Steph is jumping on the car in pursuit of an evulsion. I mean, just the the action that goes from when she steps on the hood, flips on the top of the car, and lands behind it. It's just absolutely beautiful. So that's that was the best of this issue for me.
I'm going to say that too, because it was just so beautiful. The, the vivid lines that Dan Mora always does so well. And also the colors that Jordi Belair did. It's just such good contrast with the red of the Lamborghini and the purple of her and the bright lights. Like there's some really great washed out light effects that Jordi Belair creates. I am going to miss them both on Detective. I know, I know Jody is still going to be around in the Batman universe, but those two together and the work that they've done since they teamed up with Tamaki on Detective has been just a thing of beauty. A but this is a great issue to go out on, I would say. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most definitely. Uh, Do we oh, know what Dan Mora anyone... is doing now? Yeah, he's on Batman, um, Superman World's Finest. <coughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I'm so happy he's still in DC, though. Yeah. Uh, did you guys and... catch the, the grandma character from Once in Future showing up for a panel? No, I didn't read it yet. Why are you, why are you spoiling stuff? She's the first it. character you see in the comic. It's not a spoiler. Which one? Yeah. It's the old woman head. in the first part you of the comic. You have to of read which comic? Of Detective Comics. Well, Oh wait, of Detective Gun before you hold on. Hold on. No, no. It's the same as what? As the grandma from Once in Future. What's that? Uh it's the That's... other series that he's drawing right now. I don't know how he does it. Oh. Uh... Oh, that is Bridget. It is, right? Yeah, it is. Hey Bridget. <laughs> Look at that. Crossover. That's hilarious. I wonder if DC uh figured that out. Don't tell them. <laughs> Bridget, damn you. <laughs> that's like I have no idea who she is y'all just talk alone without me alright uh, let's move on to our backup we have to uh, let's make it quick <laughs> alright story number two Foundation written by Stephanie Phillips with art by David Lampham the New Orleans Tower stands trial it fates lays in the hands of an old man a former asylum patient who doesn't want the evils he experienced to have a chance to live again. The tower bearing an Arkham name must be destroyed. For the defense is Harley Quinn, also a former patient inmate, who claims that the new tower can't be condemned before it even opens its doors. The Honorable Batman presides over the case, but something doesn't seem right, however. How can this be real? Batman awakens to find himself hallucinating under the influence of the fear toxin Hugo Strange has stashed under the floorboards. The trio are still standing on the construction crane overlooking the tower, arguing over the merits of allowing the tower to stand. As Batman and Harley continue to talk, the old man heads into the crane and releases the counterweights, causing it to lean towards the unfinished tower. Batman sends Harley to stop the old man from causing any more damage as he jumps to secure the crane from crashing into the tower. As Harley tussled with the old man for control of the crane, they both lose their footing and the old man falls from the crane, his debt almost certain. Batman, however, grabs the falling man, saving him from meeting his doom. As the three stand looking over the tower, the old man begins to, quote, pose the fall of the House of Usher. Batman doesn't see the new tower in the same light as his, of his predecessor. He sees it as a second chance. And that was quick. How do you feel about this wrap-up of the story and the art? So, this story, everything about it, the art, the colors, the writing, the story, this whole story arc are the concrete shoes on Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps 
is Tariko Ma- Ma- is is the maid story, and this this comic is the shoes. It's making a four point four star book into a three star book because <laughs> it's a garbage story. This is a stupid story. This is not making me excited about Arkham Tower. It's making me very trepidatious about Arkham Tower. Every like all the main books are like Arkham Tower is going to be so great, and this story is like oh Arkham Tower is a pile of poo poo. So I don't know. I hate this story. The guy is creepy. Harley's stupid. The whole thing's stupid. That's my opinion. The end. <laughs> God, that was that was wonderful. <laughs> I don't know any other way to say it, which is ironic considering that was kind of me the last episode when discussing the backup. But this time around, I was, I'll say, I'll say what I've said on the server. And and I still, the story has been okay for the argument with regards to what, in regard to what this story is all about, whether or not the Arkham Tower deserved a chance or whether or not it would continue the legacy of the asylum. But for me, this, the art has been the main problem. And for once, because of that one dream sequence where Batman is hallucinating and we have them in there, you know, we have Holly in her wig, and that made the art okay. It's not the greatest. I'm still not a David Lapham fan, but um, yeah, it it made it 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 was okay. You know, and in, in in the past, with my past few reviews, in my past few reviews, the art has been the reason why the overall rating has suffered. And unlike my friend Steph, who in the past wouldn't do that, I she did it this time. She is making a book a three and a half that should be a four. Um yeah, it, it it it's it's not the best. Again, I was always okay with the story. The art has been the major turnoff for me and um if there's any upside, it's now over. Um, I do know Lapham's supposed to be back doing, I think, another backup somewhere down the line in Shadows. But um, the less I see of him, or at least of his work, the better I feel. Yeah, I think this was a really mediocre story. And that it's not something I am delighted about, because I like Stephanie Phillips as a writer. But I don't hate David Lapham is an artist, but this was just mediocre. Yeah, it was just okay. Like I said, it it, it wasn't bad enough. To, I didn't hate the art enough to where it deducted from the overall rating of the book. It was it was just okay. It was just and I I I think one of the main things I liked, especially with this part, this finale and the first part, was the references to pose to follow the house of usher because there really are a lot of questions and how you can tie that to Arkham Asylum and, and Arkham just being a place of evil, no matter what they claim the goal is. So I, I enjoyed that, that connection, but again, yeah, 
okay at best, you know, and again, for this one, okay at best, may at worst for me. It was mediocre. All right. Out of five Huntress Visions, what are we going to give Detective Comics 1046? Yeah, um, I was willing to give this a four, but that the backup is just poo-poo. Three. I'm going to give it a three. Uh, I get, I, you get, wait, wait, you went from a three and a half to a three? I never said three and a half. I said, I I, I just said a point lower, and I'm going to give it a three because I really hate this backup. <laughs> and like well, you said, the best thing about it is that it's over. Yes, it is over. Uh, I actually gave the issue a four because, again, the story was the, the backup story. The writing was always okay to me because I thought there there is a story to tell as to whether the Arkham name, not just the place, is just pure evil. And no matter what is built, as long as the Arkham name is tied to it, it it's going to be problems. I'm okay with, with that storyline. Um, and, you know, again... The art was again for that one scene because of the dream sequence. It was, it made it okay with me, and so I gave it a four on the website, and I'm gonna stick with that. I am also going with a four, um, and that gives us a total of three point six five, with a mode of four. Two modes of four today. That's good. That's a good score. Only for the mode lover. That's correct. All right. So. Let's get to our Greater Gotham with our thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral, or abstain. Starting with Nightwing number 87, the famous all-one-sequence, no-panels issue. Thumbs up. It was cute. Two thumbs and two big toes up. Uh, I guess I'll give it a thumbs up. It was okay. Dude, if somebody can send me a second copy, I would really like to take it apart and stretch it around my office. If anyone does that, I would like to see a picture. Somebody posted a picture. I I put a picture in the server. Yeah, but I want to see you guys doing it. I don't want to see a picture Uh, of someone else doing it. uh, Gotcha. Batman Catwoman number nine. The last Liam Sharp issue before we get back to Clayman. Uh, yeah. Liam Sharp's been rough. Um, awesome. Uh, n- neutral, but that's more, I don't know. I- I'm excited to see where the story is going next, but this really just seemed like a not much happened issue. I have, I have determined that I can't read Tom King anymore until every issue is out. Uh, so I've abstained for this until the series is over with. Then I'm going to read it all at one time. I just, I can't read King at one time, one issue at a time anymore. It's, it's it doesn't bode well for my health. And That's yeah. a very reasonable thing to say, I think. Um, I say thumbs up. I really like the way Liam Sharp's doing this. And I really love the way it ends with the three Catwomans and the three timelines facing different opponents. That was cool. I did like that. Uh, Robin's number two miniseries by Tom- Tim Seeley. Um, thumbs up, I guess. Neutral. 
this is a thumbs up, but it's definitely sort of on a knife edge because he's delving into the Robin history. And some of that, as people who know Stephanie Brown's history as Robin, can be pretty dicey. So, And short. Uh, yeah, very short. Three issues, though. Three whole issues. Um, Catwoman, Lonely City, number two, Cliff Jang. Oh, thumbs up. I'm really enjoying that story. Same here. Thumbs up. And the art, the art is just as good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Cliff Chang is an amazing artist. I'm going to give it a thumbs up, but it's kind of neutral because I'm just kind of alternate futured out at this point. Hmm. Um, Batman versus Bigby number four. Um, thumbs up, but it's like a low standard thumbs up. Like this is just your pretty generic story. I'm getting a little sick of verses where it's really just verses for like half an issue. <laughs> and then they team up and work together. But, but we want them it, to team up. Yeah, we do. I just, the marketing is versus is a little misleading. True. But I guess thumbs up, but don't, don't expect too much in this one. I've given up on Batman and Bigsby, so I've abstained. Uh, I give it a thumbs up, definitely. The fact that Stephanie Brown is Robin in it has nothing to do with that, of course. Uh-huh. Um, Catwin number 38 by Ram V, the final issue of his run. Um, I think I was a little disappointed in that it was the Ram V one, but it's still a thumbs up. My disappointment is is why I'm giving it a neutral. It it didn't end. I mean, it was touching, you know, one final one final con from from Selena, but I really wanted something better to close things out. So it's a it's a neutral for me. I'm gonna say thumbs up, but it's barely because like Theo, last issue was like a really amazing farewell. There was all sorts of callbacks and tying things together. This one was its own thing and it the art was really good. Like I'm not knocking the art it was really cute and really good lines but it didn't touch me it felt kind of emotionally cold so especially compared to last issue which really moved me so thumbs up but just barely um harley quinn number 10 i'm actually surprisingly abstaining because i didn't read this one i think i'm the only one that read it so my pitch my pitch for this one is theo the artist has changed and it's not it is not a crazy zany, doesn't make sense book anymore. Like, this issue was, like, a real live issue. And it's about, Ian, it's about Harley and Ivy wanting to be together, but Harley realizing that she's had her hero's journey and Ivy has not. And so they're taking a break, to borrow a line from Friends, so that the Ivy can go on her hero's journey and figure out who she really is. That is actually a very good pitch for me because I am, as people know, very frustrated with how they're treating <clears throat> yes. um, Ivy right now. And they so so Ivy fans might be a little pissed off by this issue because she's just evil, but um, it really does seem to be accepting that hey, Harley's a hero now and Ivy is not. No matter how much you like her, she's not a hero yet. And so it, it does acknowledge that and, and show that the characters acknowledge that. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, so does so does it does it counter what we got in with that Omega? Where Holly not Holly, where Ivy's basically saying, you know, I don't care what people think, I'm Ivy, I'm gonna be who I'm gonna be. So it's is it basically gonna take that premise and throw it out the window? Is that where you see it going? Well, 
Except, I mean, you can't always. So the 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 counterpoint that Harley brings is that people change. Yes, you're going to be who you're going to be, but are you really going to be today when you're 35 who you were in high school? I sure hope not. Like I talk to my husband on a regular basis, and like if I met you when you know we got married now, I wouldn't marry you because I I like who you are now. Ten years later, so I think that it's it's more of a she she's not telling her what to do. Harley's not telling Ivy how to do it or what to do. She's just saying we need to you know go our separate ways until you figure this out. And if you don't, then they can't be together. That's that part's not said, but that's kind of implied. It's like if you can't be good too. I can't be with you, even though being with you makes me happy. So I thought that was actually a very mature, very mentally healthy um, stat to, or position to take on that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, because it does <laughs> answer the thing I've been complaining about. Who did he on? I think it's Laura Braga. Oh, okay. I didn't really like Harley's design, but I think it was more the dress and the makeup and the um, hairstyle she had. So it wasn't so much the art. It was the styling I wasn't a big fan of. But she's Harley. She can do what she wants. Um, lastly, uh, One Dark Night number one, written and illustrated by Jock. And I know some of our staff are really excited, really loving this one. What do you guys think? <clears throat> um, it was a good setup. Like, it definitely was just a, definitely just a setup issue. But, man, did it set it up. Like, I am excited to see what happens next. It really, it raised the stakes. It set the scene. And it... I'm I'm very interested to see what's going to happen next. This is a good. This is such a good Batman story. I can see them turning this one into a movie. So far, it could still fail miserably. Yeah, it's definitely a thumbs up for me as well. I actually had to read it a second time because, again, as as Ian and and Steph mentioned, this is definitely a setup issue. I was I was looking for more from the first issue, especially knowing knowing jock and so after that first read i was like uh, and i went and read it a second time and i'm like oh he is setting up some stuff so yeah definitely a thumbs up for me i'll say thumbs up i'm still not a super fan of a lot of these raider artists but i mean jock is one of the best and this does have a lot of really good moments that he's um making use of the characters and the visuals how are you not a fan of the writer most of them, I think, don't know how to pace and structure stories. They're good at moments. They're not good at overall stories. Says the guy who loves Damien from the Batman. Yes. <laughs> if you want, I can tell you where I think there are structural problems with that series, despite my love for it. But that's a that's probably a TVU Extra episode. All right. Now let's move on to our listener feedback from our Discord. Sorry to interrupt, Master Booth. Ringing your phone now. This needs my attention. Play the role of Steph in listener feedback. It's Theo. Caspian on the Discord server. I'm happy my creepy word choice got airtime. My ego is really getting inflated right now. That's Theo. Also, Theo. David Lapham is coming back for the next detective issue doing the backup. Bovak also on the server. Hey, I know it's obvious, but I just realized that I should appreciate the fact that you guys on the podcast and in the site reviews get review copies and yet manage to avoid being shills that just say everything is good. I'll take you guys over one of the corporate shill comic book hype websites any day. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, as, as everyone could see from last episode, we definitely will call out 
our personal misgivings on on anything that we feel taken back about. Yeah, I don't think uh, Poo Poo is an officially sanctioned DC uh, describer, descriptor of their comic books. Yes, because as you can see, yeah. Poo Poo was used several times in this episode. Uh, the Laquiso on the server. Yeah, I agree. Ever since I started listening, I like that you guys explain what you like and what you don't like. And don't just say something is perfect or awful. Even if I thought Bad Girls had an intriguing start, I loved it. The art. Mm-hmm. That, that Shots like, fired. Uh, yeah, that, wait, but it sounded like something was missing. I don't know. But and then our good friend, the professor, who's been on the show a few times. I think the balance that gets struck on the podcast is actually remarkable. It's so difficult to walk a line between the toxic neg- negativity we see in almost all fandoms and the slavish worship on anything the company puts out. I used to listen to a Star Wars podcast that adopted a no negativity rule as its major theme, but it got super frustrating because the host essentially refused to criticize anything coming out from Lucasfilm. And it was more like, come on, no one bats a thousand. This pod does a good job as any of walking the line. Kudos. Thanks a lot, Professor. Yeah, Thank that's you. a lot of really nice comments, and uh, I really appreciate the community we have on the Discord. So I do want to encourage everyone to um, join our Discord server, give us some feedback, uh, let us know what you're not liking, because we're always interested in improving our podcast experience. We're also looking for reviewers. A lot of the people who you heard in comments there have done reviews in the past, and um, you are always welcome to join our review staff. I, myself started out as a reviewer um theo did you start as a reviewer or did we get you as a host first i cannot remember it was about the same time i think it's one of those chicken in the egg things Uh, but i definitely started out as a reviewer i started out on batman and robin eternal in 2015 so i remember that very well but if you want to join there's lots of comics coming up that we need reviewed and if you can chip in and, and write for the site uh we would love to have you as an incentive, or rather, the main thing is you get early looks at comics, and you can read them sometimes weeks before they get released, and it's actually kind of cool. Unless your name is Steph, who doesn't like reading them at all because she doesn't want to get spoiled. Yes. Oh, no, no, no! I just don't read them before the. Ca- I don't read before. I don't read things that we haven't that we're not going to talk about yet on the cast. Yes, because Steph I don't want to be spoiled. Steph is a good girl, and I'm a bad boy. <laughs> Theo's a bad boy. Yeah, Theo, Theo reads everything he can. <laughs> By the way, Steph, you gotta read part one of Shadows. It's so good. Of what? Shadows. Shadows are the bad. Oh, so the so that so the the tech we we just read was not for part one. It was no, just set up was, for part one. No. Oh, no. Okay. Yep. Oh, it's okay. so good. I think it Ian is so agree. good. I'm yeah. very excited. Yeah. Part- How's Theo doing? Do you have to go to therapy now that you have to do one book a week? <laughs> well, I've already started um, <laughs> on part one, and as soon as I finish part one, I'm going to start on part two because the first three oh parts gosh. are available. I I am going to try to stay as far ahead of this as I possibly can because uh, that's a good idea. Because when you're working on a on a PhD, that can <laughs> that can really take your life away. I'm sure. Yes, it can. 
All right. Our last thing to go is our supporters. Um, we have a Patreon. And if you contribute to a certain amount per month, we read your name on the episode. So here we go. Lisa Slack. Ian Miller. Gerald Green. Joshua Lappin Bertoni. Rob O. Tim Garassi. Stephanie Mounts. Donovan Morgan Grant. Stanton's Grave. Donald Townsend. Ed Grouse. Brandon Roberts. Captain America. Mary Garrett. Austin Davis. Johnny McCloskey. And Cesar Diaz. Uh, we really appreciate all of you joining the Patreon and keeping our servers online so we can do things like have uh, flashback segments. Um, and we hope that you'll enjoy this content and let us know on our Patreon or on the Discord what you'd like to see in the future. Thank you for supporting us. And with that, forward to season 14 next year. I hope you have a great new year. This has been Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And we'll see you next time. Do I say hello? How do I open these? <laughs> hello and welcome to the Batman Universe comic podcast. I think this you should say brought to you this week by germs. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> the Joker. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> cut, cut. Guys, are you all okay? Ian, especially you. You're actually worse than Steph. <clears throat> oh, Ian's definitely worse than me. Are you Are you sure you're okay, Ian? <laughs> yes, I am fine. Ugh, just frustrated that my lungs won't stop spasming. I'm not even clogged up. It's just spasms. Okay. Yeah, Ian, you, 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 you're sounding like you're trying to cough up a lung. Yeah, the lungs are definitely trying to escape. <laughs> That's not good. <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm, I, I stapled them in. They'll, they'll be okay. <laughs> okay, so where was I? So. <laughs> you do sound really horrible. <laughs> uh, uh.